Welcome back to another episode of One Shot, One Quill, a fantasy tabletop podcast where we do brainstorming live on the spot using uh, suggested content from you. But uh, I'm your I'm your host, Spencer. Over there is my co-host, Ben, as well as our guest host this week, Jack. Jack, welcome back. Thanks for having me again. I thought I would never hear back from you guys after I left so many calls and texts about about being like a third member, you know, kind of being like a, a tertiary host. Yeah, we were planning to ban you from ever being on, but, uh, you know, it didn't work out. Oh, good. Ben, do you want to explain what it is we do here specifically? Yeah. Uh, on this show, we brainstorm uh, fantasy table well usually fantasy we've also done a western before uh and a horror actually two horrors so sometimes fantasy sometimes other thing uh tabletop role-playing game one shots we roll a random premise for these one shots and we have to incorporate two random magical items or sometimes uh people thanks jack uh and You're welcome. then we spend about 15 to 20 minutes preferably sometimes longer uh brainstorming how you could use those and then at I'm, the end we hope you have something that you can turn into a one shot i'm hoping for a genre this time we get edutainment i would love to teach children <laughs> the way of magic through dungeons and dragons something in the way of like bill nye the science guy or the magic school bus i hit him with my s w o r d man that's that's a, that's even pre-k edutainment yeah. but i'm into it you know pre-k kids learn best with violence uh today's siege is brought to you by the letter k <laughs> For kill your enemies. Uh, do we want to get a premise here? Yes. Why don't you go ahead and give me a, a one out of 15. All right. Uh, five for that one. All right. The city is being attacked by a mysterious serial killer who uses magic to bypass locks and defenses, brutally slaying his victims in the night. Attempts to resurrect the victims have failed. And when Speak With Dead is cast on the victims, they only say The Tree and Orpheus. The PCs must take one of the corpses to an expert necromancer who may be able to extract more information about the killer. That's a... Uh, this is a great way to teach kids about stranger danger. <laughs> a very long prompt and also going to be hard to fit edutainment into. I've got it. No, stranger danger. Oh, and also mortality, because as much as you want to bring somebody back from death, I don't know, That's, I think we can work yes. with this. Oh my god, yes, there's so many lessons that need to be taught with edutainment, like how to tie your shoes, how to handle when your parents fight, the concept that everything is finite and you will die someday. <laughs> All right, kids, what is this? Oh, that's a C-O-R-P-S-E. Yay! Corpse! Speaking of Can that. you spell cadaver? <laughs> that's okay, we'll get there next week. Uh, Spencer, can you can you spell cadaver for me? <clears throat> K, I, uh, D, E, V, R, E. You know, I don't know enough to know whether or not that's right. Yeah, I can't look it up. I, I have one question, just in case we need to know. In the lore, perhaps somebody doesn't know what the word Orpheus means. Maybe, maybe a, l a little bit of background guidance as to what Orpheus could potentially mean, because I'm a dummy and I don't r really know. Orpheus is from mythology, I think, like Greek mythology. Mm -hmm. Isn't Brittany, you play Hades. Isn't Orpheus the one that, the bard that went to hell? Yeah. Yeah, so Orpheus is the one that went to hell, uh, followed his girlfriend, 
to, to go get her back, traverse the River of Sticks, played like a cool song for the ferryman. And then when he got to Hades, he was like, hey, I want my girlfriend back. And he was like, no, that's not how this works. What are you doing here? And then he's like, well, I'm going to play a song. And then Hades was like, do you think I give a shit about your song? But then Hades' wife shed a tear to the song. And he was like, ugh, fine. You can have your girlfriend back, but I'm going to do some weird Sodom and Gomorrah shit. You can have her back, but the two of you got to get out of this cave. She's going to be behind you. And you can never look back to see if she's there. And uh, I guess also you can't hear her or some shit. And so, like, they they do a reverse course. They're almost out of hell. Uh, uh, Orpheus is, like, literally steps away from being outside the cave that led into the underworld. And then, like a fucking dumbass, he looks back. And then she uh, uh, gets caught up by Hades and disappears again. What a buffoon. That's pretty metal, though. And then he proceeds to spend his remaining years so saddened by this that everyone hates hearing his sad song about his girlfriend, and they beat him to death and throw him in the river. All right, well, none of that was very fun. Uh, some <laughs> I thought it was great. I thought it, I thought it was some great context. I, I now, what is a tree? it wasn't interesting or informative. I'm just saying that the bard going to rescue his girlfriend, losing her, and then being beaten to death is not fun. Uh, roll me an items number. Yeah, uh, we got a eight. Eight. An ancient elvish scepter, which is engraved, stating that it glows green in the hands of its chosen one, and that they are immune to death when it's in their grasp. This is incorrect, and actually just glows and nothing else. Hmm. I love lies. I bet you do. You made this. Yeah, you probably wrote this one. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I absolutely did. But I love the illusion. Very fitting, though. I'm glad we we have two death-themed elements. uh, Why don't we get another one? Yeah, uh... Three. One, two, three. A town built completely upside down upon the underside of a cliff. Inhabitants of this city also walk upside down and will fall to the sky if pushed off their cliff. They try to keep themselves tethered to rooted objects on tracks to get around. <laughs> I wrote that one too. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I love that um, idea. Now, the idea of a, a intense murder mystery is wonderful i think we already have good a strong start a death themed item great we can shoehorn that in i just feel are we playing with too 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 many too many gimmicks once we have also this takes place in an upside down city (laughs) i I feel like the upside down city adds an interesting twist on something that would have been completely fine without it (laughs) is that the destination your destination Yeah. yeah 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 that's where the necromancer is because um reasons he lives Why in the upside down place <laughs> that's where all the energies are strongest you see well but that would make sense if you have to find the necromancer if the goal is to find this necromancer um then it makes sense that the uh you know the whole plot about dead people or whatever uh has to uh Come second to the task of finding the necromancer, which becomes much harder when he's in an upside down city on a cliff face. So I, I'm picturing a um, negative energy kind of uh, gravity well, more or less. So like to, to help fantasize it a little more, not only is this an upside down village on the bottom of a like a steep cliff's edge, 
Um, but you probably also got your like floating rock spires and shit. Very, I don't know, Avatar or whatever was on that planet. Um, oh, I thought you were talking about the uh, air people from Avatar who lived oh, yeah, in the last Airbender. cities. Yeah. <laughs> to be clear, that's also very not similar. Last Airbender. James Cameron's hit mm. multi-mega million picture, the sequel of which is coming within our lifetimes, I promise. <laughs> I know, we're writing the script right now. So, like, this could be a, a place of, I don't know, really, like, all sorts of high magic. You know, this is just where, like, the magical people live. Uh, so, you've got some of the best transmutation folks, and, like, obviously your best necromancer lives here. So you're suggesting it's some sort of convergence of ley lines type thing, where this is where all yes. the magical people are. In this upside-down yeah, city where they have to tether themselves to tracks or fall to their deaths. <laughs> I, I'm imagining a city that is ruled by our titular powerful necromancer who has convinced this city that they can ascend to heaven through his powers and they've kind of lived on this upside down city until they're ready to ascend as dictated by the sky he hands them the scepter they jump off the cliff ascend to the sky and they wait for the scepter to fall back down because that's not the thing that actually sticks with the gravitational well of the city so this necromancer has fooled people into living in his like weird upside down cult of getting into the skies. Okay. Gives them the scepter, which is apparently going to keep them from dying so they could cross through, even though it's total bullshit and he's just doing it because he's crazy. That's the first uh, so, thing so, I thought so, of with So that. he believes in what he's doing. He believes in what he's he's doing for them. Yes. He he's so powerful that he believes 100% that he has found a foolproof way to get people into heaven with this scepter that doesn't even work. I'm picturing a really terrifying, like, midsummer reminiscent scene for those who have seen this movie. There's a, there's a particularly traumatic scene where two people just abruptly fall to their death. I'm picturing the same energy of the party not familiar with everything that goes on in this city, watching a nice little bit of fanfare and ceremony as someone just jumps off the fucking edge <laughs> and just ascends and into like, the sky Yay, he did it <laughs> yeah that, that's that's a good I, I like that vibe i wasn't even intending on it but that's very similar to what i was thinking and i and i love that the necromancer is a is a cult leader because um i think we all have a temptation to try and reform stereotypes that necromancer is not evil magic but uh you know what sometimes it's nice to have a very over-the-top villain <laughs> And I like the idea of having to extract help from a guy that you find morally reprehensible. As it, as it turns out, sometimes necromancers just are evil. <laughs> uh, I don't know if the the scepter or the neck. I mean, the necromancer is obviously being found by the party because of the murders. But I don't know if the scepter has to be connected to the murderer at all. Maybe not. I was going more from the murderer point of view that the murderer had put this scepter here to fucking trick people. Uh, and then he murders them <laughs> in such a way that, like, people wouldn't be suspicious of it because they were, uh, the people were acting all hearty and brazen about how they couldn't die. And then, and then he, like, you know, throws them off of a rooftop or something after he kills them. And so, uh, in general, people are just like, well, he had that scepter and the scepter probably just didn't work. And now he's dead because he jumped off the roof. Right. Okay. So he's like, he's making it look like people got into reckless suicides and he's mm -hmm. using that scepter as kind of the plan for that. I like that. My angle was kind of an explanation for we're going to slightly butt heads on mine also touches on who the killer was. Um, 
but I also wanted to dive into what Orpheus and the tree could mean. Oh, so yeah, that's hopefully thing, we're going to hit this from all three angles. As for my, my killer and how these people are dying, what if the reason they're suggesting the killer is, is magically hiding all evidence and leaving no physical trace? What if it's not because they're casting a spell to hide a trace, but because there never was one to begin with? There is no corporeal killer. This is a curse that's put on all these people. In Tomb of Annihilation, part of the, the Otis for adventuring is a curse is overtaking the world. Everybody that has come back from the dead is now dying of a wasting disease. They can no longer benefit from any healing and they're going to die in X amount of time. I'm thinking the victims in this city are all, they all have one thing in common. They all cheated death. Mm, so a final destination thing. Kind of, yeah. Uh, maybe they were brought back from the dead or maybe they missed something that should have killed them and killed someone else instead. And I'm thinking this is a, uh, uh, I'm thinking the tree, say they were meant for hell and they cheated death. I'm wondering if their uh, ironic punishment or or their metaphorical punishment is down in this plane of hell, the quote unquote, you know, runaway captors of hell are meant to be hung from this giant sickly, you know, call it a Gulthias tree, e evil tree, whatever you want. That's what they're condemned for. So when they're when they're pulled back into hell, their their remains are to be strung up on this giant ass tree. And so that's why the only th two things they can say is Orpheus, the guy who's coming for me and the tree, that which I am destined for. I, I think there is something, I think there could be a fun nugget between the killer and the city. And you mentioned the killer not leaving a trace and having that be pretty much death. And I kind of, in my brain for a moment there, I thought almost as if death placed the scepter in the city to fuck with the one necromancer who would figure out it was him to distract him from the fact that he could actually get close to like figuring out, oh, death's behind it all. And because of death giving him, under the guise of a merchant, the scepter that is apparently makes you immortal, even though it doesn't, this necromancer is sending people to death easily. Like It's almost like a cash cow for death, where these people are jumping up into the sky, the scepter falls back down, they think they ascended to heaven, when in re reality, they just ended up in death's domain maybe to string them up on this tree like oh you think you could ascend to heaven oh you'll ascend all right exactly yeah, 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 almost yeah. like a like some sort of like twisted aesop fable sort of thing where it's like yeah no you're never gonna ascend to the same plane that i reside in and that's because why whenever suicide is the is the immortal sin it's <laughs> 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 not going back to the catholic roots here <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that kept me from I almost have like an alteration suggestion to what we were originally starting with because we okay. have we have these corpses left with stigmata, like these signs of them being murdered. When you said the killer is gone without a trace, I almost want to say there's no way, there's no sign of these dead people either. Mm. I almost want to twist the idea of you think there's something wrong with this city of like religious lunatics jumping into the sky and you're trying to find out what's really going on because you don't think they're all ascending to heaven and becoming angels or gods and somebody maybe somebody in the party attempted to speak to one of the people who ascended to see what's going on and they say orpheus the tree and it's almost like a puzzle and if anything if that makes sense it kind of gets rid of the serial killer angle it could be a nice tie-in that all of the people that have been killed 
actually could be traced back to being runaways from this cult society in the Upside Down City. That's true. That that could lead people to the city as like a way to connect all of that. I like that as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have a bit of a uh, a bit of a journey. So there could be all manner of any kind of upside down gravity related encounters. I think a climbing challenge. I'm not smart enough to figure it out, but I'm sure someone out there is. <laughs> to, to, to reference a, 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 a wonderfully crafted piece of fantasy literature, I will refer to Kong vs. Godzilla <laughs> when King Kong is in the weird upside down underground and he's just jumping all around. It's like, it doesn't matter. You could just float on the sky now. One of those things. I'm imagining the party is adventuring to the city. They don't realize the gimmick. And they see like these strange cliff sides and like floating islands. And the further they go, the less gravity has a hold on them. And eventually they end up walking on the bottoms of these islands, like just floating up to them. And that leads them to this city. Like just like a fun way to introduce this strange yeah. aspect of topsy turviness. So Yeah, absolutely. So the party gets this gets through these hazards, gets the cadaver to the necromancer. And mm-hmm. then what? You could have Orpheus come out from hell and explain to the party that, you know, hey, uh, this will continue to happen unless, you know, you give us proper penance or uh, if you defeat me, then you can have this soul back. You know, something of that sort. If we're going the Orpheus route, you could have it so that they have to go into hell for something. Yeah. If you want to take it the myth, this is this is all very well geared for mythic odysseys. Or is that source book? Or they just killed the necromancer and be done with it. I feel like the whole point would be the desecrated corpse brings the party to the city, but they stay and they don't just flat out kill this necromancer because this is a society so heavily built around whatever this necromancer has been telling people, and these dead bodies being connected to this society just reeks that he's serving some ulterior purpose. So I'm imagining the party eventually is like, we need to get to the bottom of this. We need to try this ritual ourselves. They, The party grabs the scepter, jumps to the sky themselves, and they meet Death, who kind of unveils all of this. And maybe that's where Death says, you know, you're not like the others. You're, you weren't simply trying to get here out of some blind religious faith. You were here to solve something. I will let you leave with this knowledge as long as you don't look back or, or, or some, something similar to that where it's like some l- little twisted riddle where it's like if the party fucks up and does something, sure, death yeah. will take them and I, string them up on this tree. If, if they ask I, death what the reward for the quest is, <laughs> they get strung <laughs> up by their thumbs. I kind <laughs> of like the idea of an exasperated death being like, okay. I can't anymore. <laughs> he, like he's he's he he's holding you. He's got a big old fucking noose for you, and he's like, just look. And he points back to this tree. Every fucking square inch of branch is covered in people. This guy has sent into the sky, and he's like, I, my tree is full. I am begging you, go back and kill this man. I cannot put any more corpses in my tree <laughs> i actually uh, for one final twist of it the, the, i don't know maybe this is too far but i'm thinking death had nothing to do with the murders either where the necromancer said like you said there's like some guard of orpheus telling the party blah 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 maybe this necromancer was sending out an assassin to silence those who would 
spread like falsities or like spread the bad mouth his religion that he's trying to start here in this weird upside down cliff yeah. town. Yeah. So he's killing them and making it seem like, oh, maybe they were silenced because they weren't of strong enough faith. And Death's like, this guy's pissing me off. Go back and kill him. I'll let you go back and kill him as long as you do riddle. I like the idea of keeping it full circle that it's it's say runaways or heretics from the cult that are being killed because that way you have a nice cult, nice full circle for all the plot mm-hmm. beats and ultimately then it sounds like our conclusion is okay this cult is obviously bad we need to kill them um yeah I like that and as for Orpheus I think we also did some minor conflation because we we eventually <laughs> just started pivoting to call Orpheus death right maybe this is the same bard who's like pining for the loss of his love and he's in the middle of a gambit where he's reached out to this necromancer has kind of implanted the seed of madness to kill as many souls as possible uh, in his name. That way, he can barter with death once more and say, hey, all right, fine, if I send you a thousand souls, then can my bride and I be free or something like that. I like that a lot. I like that too. I I like that because that has the built-in lore behind somebody who's like, okay, I don't know who Orpheus is. They could look it up. But for those who don't know, just going into it blindly, it's just... It's an interesting character to run into that you wouldn't expect. You would expect a death or like a cloaked like skeleton man being like, hey, I'm death guy. I like (laughs) the idea of them talking to this melancholic, almost like mad bard who has been stringing these bodies up into a tree for maybe he has since forgotten why he was even doing this in the first place because it's been through so many different tricked cultists where he's like i i give up at this point i will let you go something like that maybe that's a yeah. bit morbid but I, I don't know i'm always a big fan of that kind of no, weird creepy uh occult gothic sort of stuff in my campaigns i think we've got a beginning i think we've got a middle i think we've got another middle and i think we have an end <laughs> <laughs> ben, you, your, your energy today is uh, I don't know how to put my finger on it. It's almost like there's a there's a timer that's set to release nitroglycerin into your heart <laughs> if we hit the 35 minute mark on the recording. Yeah, uh, we've uh, hit the 50 minute mark on these before. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll wrap it. We'll wrap it. No, that's uh, that 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 is another adventure. All it needs is a pretty little ribbon with a name tag on it. And Jack, as the guest, you get first dibs. <gasps> oh my gosh, I get to name it. Um, you well, do. I think you that. Do. I think that the obvious thing to go with is to name it after the words that the undead have, or, or like the dead have kind of given the party Orpheus's tree. Just for the that, sake of not having to put an apostrophe, a lone apostrophe after the name Orpheus uh, for the possessive, what if we go tree of Orpheus? There you go. That's what if we beautiful. Go, I've just printed the novel. It's already selling. What if we go Ortrius? <laughs> That's... <laughs> God, Ben, we were racing to the finish line, and you really wanted to put that out there. (laughs) He was saving saving that home run for us. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of One Shot, One Quill. Uh, Jack, it was fantastic having you on. Fantastic to be back. Anything you wanted to plug before we wrap things up? Absolutely. We have not worked on this podcast in quite a while, but I always enjoy going back and listening to it. Spencer, you and I have this podcast called Blunderphonics, where we talk about music albums that are haunted by troubled production. So we go into a bit of the history behind why 
artists attempted to record something that just ended up blowing up in their faces. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's terrible, awful yeah. music. Yeah, sometimes uh, it's good. Sometimes it's uh, uh, sometimes it's bad and sometimes it's worse. <laughs> but I always enjoy it. And Spencer always is there. So <laughs> <laughs> one of these days we will definitely pick it back up. I am full of albums that i would love to talk about it's way more of a comedic podcast than it is like a historically like 100 factual one so it's a lot of fun uh, i highly recommend anyone who hasn't tried it out before go ahead and give it a listen you heard it here first this is the only serious podcast spencer has ever done that's it yeah this one is just non-stop grim <laughs> it has been for the last couple episodes i'll be honest yeah, and if I have my way with things, it'll be all grim all the time, and I'm going to delete all the stupid jokes. <gasps> no! <laughs> they keep getting... Ben, <laughs> I, I really kind of showed my hand. Um, we actually do two-hour recordings every week, mm. and I try my fucking hardest to delete every joke <laughs> until we have nothing but a 40-minute recording. Uh <laughs> As always, if you want to send us prompts or items or any suggestions of those sorts, you can find us at D&D Pod on Twitter. That's at D&D P-O-D. Our theme song is Alatavera del Goulier uh, by Morgan Labard. Uh, the late great Morgan the Bard, and I'm putting great here in kind of quotations because I've never listened to the rest of his stuff. It could all not be good. Uh, and we're putting late in bold and <laughs> italicized. Is he dead? <laughs> oh, he is. He's not coming back. He is very much on the path of Orpheus's wife, if you know what I mean. Is that one of the jokes you're going to cut, Spencer? <laughs> that's that's <laughs> oh, the yeah. only joke that's going to be in here. <laughs> only one that made it. 